Great to see you. I hope you've had an amazing morning. How many of you have eaten since last night here at the family night? Anybody, did you eat anything this morning? Were you full enough as it went? How many of you were here last night at family night? Yeah, well, a bunch of you. There was 160 adults, not counting kids. So we, we know there was around 200 people here last night, and, and it was an exciting time. I, I appreciate all the men stepping up and smoking the meat and doing all the, and the ladies and all the ones who came and fixed the beans and potatoes and all the stuff that went on. I really appreciate it. It's a great thing to uh, have such a great response. I was excited. Everybody kept dropping messages to me. Man, it was a great night. Wow, a bunch of people. Wow, this was great. That was great. The only thing I heard is a few adults wanted to get into bounce houses, but it was limited. That was the only thing that I heard complaints on. But uh, I'm glad you came. I really am. God is good, isn't he? You know, uh, I will apologize for not being there to a degree, but um, we had an opportunity to go see our son down at John 3.16. And... Uh, I was going to go see my son, John, John 3, 16. That song, as we were singing, I thought, wow, what a powerful testimony of, of God's grace in his life. Uh, some of you have known our, our oldest son, Tyson. And m- matter of fact, a lot of you have lived the past 15 years with us, or the last 12 years anyway with us, the things we've been through with our oldest son. And um, it's amazing to see how God's faithfulness is just being, beginning to do great things in his life and and uh, I'm going to share just a little story about him here in just a few minutes. But um, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I don't care where you fall into that category, every one of us are one of those. Good, bad, and ugly. Something in there kind of resonates within us, and that's kind of where we come from. But regardless of who you are, where you come from, there are things that, that every one of us have hindered. I mentioned flow last week, and, and there's something about us hindering God's flow in our life and, and things that we open up and things that we close. And I do want to make mention uh, this morning, there's several things in the announcements. You can go on our Facebook and look, but always try to get a bulletin because there's a lot of little things on there that you may not get in the uh, video announcements. I do want to let all the men know we will be leaving a men's retreat this Friday morning at 6 a.m., if you are a man and you want to go, uh, we'll be there all day Friday, Saturday, and we will head back on uh, Sunday morning early. Uh, be a, I promise you, you'll have fun. Uh, you will not be bored out of your brain. There's lots of things going on and uh, lots of activities. It's a, it's a, it's a great opportunity for guys to, excuse me, to get away. You've heard me make reference to it that we will have our own big room. It's going to be like a big slumber party with a bunch of guys and uh not really, not at all. Uh, just make sure you dress appropriately to sleep, men, is all I can say. And, uh, but we're going to have a great time. And if you'd like to go, it's 110 bucks. is all it is. And, and it takes care of all your meals and everything while we're up there. But it's going to be a, a great trip. And then tomorrow night is our WM's Journey Group. We'll be meeting tomorrow night at 6, back in the cafe in the gym. If you're interested or not interested, we'd still love to see you here. If you are a woman in this place, you've never been to one of the ladies' groups, we encourage you to come tomorrow night, kind of get plugged in, meet a few of the ladies. You know, Scripture says, he who uh, wants friends must what? Show himself friendly. And I know that, that, that there's things about coming to church, and especially in a new place, that it's, it's kind of hard to get plugged in and meet people. But uh, I encourage you to come if you're a lady. Get involved and meet some other ladies. I've never seen a group of ladies that didn't have the ability to talk when they got together. So I encourage that strongly. All right, so this morning I want you to go to 2 Kings, if you will, in chapter 4. And um, it's a very important message, I think, that in, in each and every one of our lives there are things that we will relate to in this message. 
But I do believe that God wants things to, in particular, to happen in every one of our lives. I think there's always been a plan. There's always been a direction. 2 Kings chapter 4. We have a scenario with a lady who was desperate. She needed some answers. And she went to a man of God for answers. So in chapter 4, in verse 2, it says, And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, and what hast thou in your house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in her house save a pot of oil. And he said, Go and borrow uh, the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, and borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour it upon all those, into all those vessels, and shalt set them aside, which is full. And so she went from him and about the door, and shut the door upon her and her sons, and brought all the vessels to her, and she poured out the oil. And it came to pass that when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. And I'm going to stop here because I'm going to look at some things in our lives that, that we all can relate because all of us have conditions. Every one of us have things that we're in the middle of, and regardless of what your family is like and the, the great functioning of it or even the dysfunctional parts of it. It never ceases to amaze me every time that my wife and I are with a couple or we talk to just a couple sitting and talking in our church. It doesn't matter who you are. Anytime we get together and begin talking, we find out that everybody has issues in their family. How many of you would agree with that? Okay. Is anybody here you have no issues in your family? You all walk in perfection. How many of you have a weird brother or sister? Don't put your hand up. Okay, go ahead. How many of you have a weird mother-in-law, father-in-law, or sister-in-law, brother-in-law, all the above? You know, we have them. We have things that we deal with, but the dynamics of every family still represents need. Regardless of who we are here, regardless of all the things you do have or don't have, we all have need. In this particular situation, there was a great debt, and her husband had passed away, and, and the guy that they owed money to was coming, was going to make bond servants out of her children. And, and she said, I need an answer. So the Elisha said, then go to your house. What do you have? And she had one thing, and it was oil. I don't think it was a lot, but it was enough whenever God began to anoint it. And I'm going to kind of try to stick with my notes and, and try to stay on task here with my point. God knows your condition. God knew her condition. But verse 2 says something I think that every one of us have to understand about for anything to change in our life. If you're ever going to experience changes or ever going to see God begin to manifest things in your family, then you have to do this. And my first point is this. You've got to get busy. You have to get busy. It's amazing how often we want somebody else to do it all for us or we want God to just impart the blessing, but we don't want to do anything for him to honor so the first thing that she had to do is she had to get busy and she had to be obedient. She got busy, went to the man of God. He says, now what I want you to do is go ask everybody for a pot. Ask everybody for a vessel. And the thing that she did have was this. And let me stop here for a minute. As I thought about what she did have, she had a little bit of oil. And I began to think, well, Lord, how does that apply to us? How does that one principle apply to everyone in here? And he said, what does everybody have? And I said, well, Lord, I'm not sure. He goes, everybody has something. Everybody has got something in their life that applies, a gift, a talent, an ability, an insight. And so I just began to write down, the Lord is wanting you to get busy with what you have, whether it's wisdom or love or encouragement or knowledge or resources or kindness or if it's just your time. I'll tell you one person in this church, and I don't, I don't do a lot of attaboys and pat you on the back and tell you how great you are very often. But I'll tell you something that, that Terry Sanders does. Terry Sanders 
He's always been a guy that he has time. He does things for others. He just does. You don't have to pay him. I might need to. You don't have to pay him. But it's amazing over the years how I've watched him. And and this didn't mean you're great, Terry, because you're still pathetic, all right? But here's the thing. He has something that a lot of people don't have. This guy has had more physical things to deal with than most anybody else in this place. And he worked for years and years with all the discomforts of his body. But I'll tell you something that he learned. Is that his vessel was, had maybe not a lot, but it had a, a measure of time in it. And he learned to take that measure of time and begin to pour it out and invest it. Not just in himself, but in others. And I begin to think about us as a church. What is it that we do have at home? And what is it that you do have? It's e- easier sometimes if you have resources just to throw resources. But here's the thing about what you have. When the prophet told her, he said, don't go just get a few, get a bunch. And why did he tell her to go get a bunch? Because he wanted her to know that what God had in store for her was a lot. Folks, I know I talk about the favor of God, and I talk about his blessing, and I talk about those kind of things that he, he wants you to overcome, and, and he wants you to walk in, in, in a, a holy life, and a life that's different, and that it doesn't have to be like it's always been. Because, this, because I'm going to be honest with you. Why would I not view God that way? How can we not view God that he looks at us, that he wants to bring great divine direction in every one of our lives? And the way I can base this on the truth is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have what? Everlasting life. What kind of an investment has he been willing to pour into you? So whatever it is that you have, God wants you to learn to pour it out. Because you notice that the blessing didn't come from the outside. The blessing came from within. And often we look for everybody else for our blessing. We look for everybody else to find opportunity. We look at everybody else to have answers for us. When really the the answer is here. It's in something God's given you. And it's learning to give back. Not just a few, but I want you to be generous in your expectation. Look in verse 4. Thou art come in. Thou shalt shut the door upon thee. Boy. I'm going to have to get stronger glasses. Upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into the vessels, and thou shalt set them aside. Here's the thing. There are times that not everybody has to know what you're pouring out. And this woman shut the door because she didn't want distractions. She didn't want anybody interfering. She wanted to do exactly what God said. And she got into agreement with her family. When they come into agreement, everybody may not understand your dreams. Everybody may not not understand the dynamics of your family, but your family does. How many of you have ever uh, had some issues in your family that were heavy? Heavy. And there's nobody that's going to understand it like those that's in the middle of your family. I'm going to get to a, a story here in just a few minutes. And verse 6 says that they poured oil and poured oil and gave what they had and gave what they had and gave what they had until the oil stopped. And why did it stop? Because there was no more opportunity for its flow. I think it's different for us. I don't believe that when we come to Christ that there's ever a point in our life when everything stops. I don't think it ceases. I look at, you know, I look at people that's, that's, that's 
older in their years and they've been in ministry and they've poured their heart out and they're kind of retired and, and things, the dynamics may be different. I'll just use Brother Cooper for an example, but Brother Cooper's dynamics of giving is still there, regardless of he's working every day and regardless if he's at the factory every day. The principles that God placed within him are still there. They're still to be flowing. In this passage, the only reason the oil stopped is because there was no more vessels. But I believe in your life and my life, we never end. I don't believe that vessels ever end. I don't think the opportunities ever end, even until the day we die, and then somebody else picks up the mantle and carries it on. Till there was no more vessels, no more opportunity. So let me ask you, what is your struggle? What's going on in your life that has you frustrated? What is it about your home and, and your family and, and what's going on in your own household that, that seems to be stagnant and it seems to be kind of uncomfortable and there's no joy, there's no liberty there? Folks, stay with me. There's a lot of truth to this message about you and your life. As you learn to let things flow through you, then it's going to bring life back into your household. But if you live in a household that everything is about me or everything's about you, there is no continuity. There is no flow. There is a stifleness. There is a, there is a stagnation in the household. So how do we change it? We begin to quit focusing everything on us. We begin to let things flow through our family, flow through our house. We begin to let our house be a place of refuge and not a place of heaviness. Are you with me? How important is this? It's essential. Why do we feel it stopped? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to share a story with you from my son. Um, you all know any time I was around land, I had stories to tell. And, and I was around Tyson, had stories to tell. And, and uh, it's good to see a young man that uh, doesn't walk in perfection. And boy, we know he sure hasn't. But he has some insights that I would think, and I don't say this with pride, I say it. Because of experience, he has some insights that not many of the 165 men there on that campus have. And um, a lot of them, first Sundays there, they'll, there's nothing wrong with this, enter in, worship, throw their hands up, and, and, and they get caught up, and they understand, and they learn how to talk about grace and mercy. And so after, we went to his room after the service last night, and, or the meeting, whatever you call it, we went to his room for a little while, and, and we talked about all the food that... Donnie and Teresa and Wanda went and bought and took in there for snacks. But after all the food talk was over and he made Maisie a drink and, and he's eating nuts and whatever, when it came time to get serious, he shut his door. And dude, what a revelation I had when he shut that as I began to think about this passage. Because there are certain times in our life that we get to a place we have to shut the door. We have to get everything else out and we need to get down to what's really important. Because what happens is our doors oftentimes let things into our families and into our lives that have no business being there. And so Tyson begins to share. And, and the last, we were seeing him uh, one other time. He's been there about three months. And seen him one other time on a Saturday. They had a fundraiser type thing. We were there. And, and he wanted a radio. And he had someone giving him some money. He's wanting to get a radio so he could listen to music and have a CD player. And now some of you don't take offense to this. And this is not hating on anybody. But when he brought this up, I thought, oh... The pureness of honesty. The pureness of honesty. And he had his radio sitting there, and he goes, man, the other night, he said, a few weeks ago, I was laying in bed, and I listened to Christian CDs a lot. And, and one particular night, I was scrolling through the radio station trying to find a station, and all of a sudden, I heard an old song I used to listen to, a country song. And I'm not saying you're going to hell if you listen to country. I'm not. You might. No, no, you aren't. I'm not saying that. So he hears it, and he stops, and he listens. Man, that was good. He listened to another one. He said, listen to it for about 15 minutes, and he goes, oh, I better change it. He goes to change again and lands on a rock station. 
Oh, man, that's an old song. I had internet a long time. He sits and listens to that. He goes off. He didn't like that. He started to slide again. And he went to a Christian station. As soon as he heard the Christian music, he slid it over. I don't want to hear that. In 15 minutes, an old familiar thing began to enter into his heart. 15 minutes. And he said, oh, my goodness. He said, I had done the radio part. All I do is listen to CDs. Because here's the thing. We hinder the flow of God by the things we allow to flow in. And dude, when he heard that and he realized, he said, dude, and he was just so candidly honest. He goes, honestly, I didn't want to hear the Christian music. And he said, it it completely opened my eyes to how quick you can be in this environment and in 15 minutes no longer want to cherish what you should be cherishing. Folks, great truth as he began to share. Watch the doors you open. Watch the things you allow in. And there was a lot of other things he began to share. But here it was. Uh, He recognized what caused his flow to stop. Or at least it was going to slow it down tremendously. Exodus chapter 3. And and there's another point that he's, he's going to be sharing. I gave him part of a message. And it's part of this message this morning. I gave him last night, which is kind of ironic. But I want you to go to Exodus chapter 3, if you will. And we're going to talk about Moses. If there was ever anybody in Scripture that you think, man, this dude was holy, he was different, he was right on, it was Moses. How many of y'all can tell me something that Moses done? Parted the water. He parted the water. He struck the rock, and water came out. How many times did he strike it? Three times. Once the first time, twice the second time. He disobeyed once. He prayed and man fell from heaven. He went up on the mountain and watched God write the Ten Commandments in stone. He brought them down. He was ticked off at all the, the knuckleheads and he threw the commandments at the golden calf. We can tell you a lot of things about him, but he was a precious, godly, saintly man. But he still was not perfect. In chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should be bring forth the children of Israel? From verse 11, let's jump down to chapter 4. Chapter 4 and verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither hereto nor since hast thou spoken unto thy... Whatever it says. But I am a slow speech and of a slow tongue. He began to constantly make excuse after excuse after excuse. Let me tell you this. I'm going to tell you a story I don't think I've ever told this before. And this goes way back to like my freshman year, high, eighth grade. Eighth grade, so I'm safe. I was a young kid. And there was a girl in our class. And she was a big, tall girl. And, and I used to kind of flirt with her, which boys never flirt in eighth grade. But I did. And, and I flirted with this girl. And, and I told her I wanted to go, out, go with her or go out with her or whatever the words you say back in those days. And she looked at me and she says, no, you don't. I said, yeah, I do. She says, no, you don't. You're making fun of me. Have I ever told you a story? Okay, okay. And I said, no, I really do. She goes, no, you don't. And she totally turned around and walked away. Now, I didn't know how to take it. She had no like. She hated this guy. Or she really didn't feel like I was liking her because she was almost as tall as me. But you know how many of us begin to make excuses because we don't feel like we're good enough or we're smart enough or we're, or we're talented enough. Or we don't have anything in our life, so we make excuses for why he couldn't choose me. I couldn't walk right. I can't talk right. I can't live right. I can't do anything different than what I've always done. And we begin to make excuses. 
Moses began to make excuses. Why did he behave this way? I don't know. He felt unworthy. He didn't want the responsibility. And I'll be honest with you, I think that's one of our biggest flaws. Many of us don't want to draw near to him. We don't want to enter in closer to him because we don't want the responsibility. But we need it. Keep going. Maybe he didn't want to go back to Egypt. Maybe he was nervous in a crowd. Another thing, Tyson has to speak before the guys in three weeks. It's hilarious. It's awesome. I love it. Often, those of us who don't want responsibility, we begin to deal with laziness or neglect because we don't want them in our life. Look in chapter 4 and verse 24. And it came to pass, by the way, in the end, and in the end doesn't mean a Hotel 6 or a Motel 6. It means they set up tents on the side of travel. On the end, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. And he said, and he, so he let him go. And she said, A bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. And I'm going to stop here for a minute. I know this is kind of an awkward subject, but I'm going to discuss it. I think there was an issue with Moses is that he had a little bit of neglect. There was something about him. He didn't like doing everything. He didn't want all the responsibility. When he obviously, he ran when he killed the Egyptian. We know that when he was in the backside of the desert and he saw the burning bush, he didn't want all the responsibilities of, of leading the Israelites out. And now we have a situation that he was a Jew. He knew he was a Jew. He had been taught in Judaism. He knew the ways of, of the Hebrews. He knew the covenant between Abraham, his great, 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 great father, grandfather, between him and God. And the covenant was that, that the Jewish men would be uh, circumcised. That was the covenant. It was a blood covenant and it was something that was supposed to be fulfilled by the father not the mother so here we have Abraham not Abraham we have Moses about to, I'm going to wrap this up or I don't want to lose you and you go to sleep on me we have a scenario here with a man by the name of Moses said every one of us said oh my goodness he parted the sea he, he called these plagues upon the on the land he he, he delivered Israel out he he seen the water come out of a rock he saw manna fall he saw quail fall he saw all these things take place but yet when he was going to lead the Jews out he was neglecting his family and let me say this to you as a man the reason the flow doesn't flow in our family sometimes is not because of a wife. It's because of the man. We want our wives to be the spiritual leaders. We want them to be the influencers, and we don't want the responsibility. And I really feel that's where Moses was. Moses wasn't willing to take the time to do the circumcision of his son. It didn't say both. I think one of them was probably already done. The other one was neglected. It may have been the baby. I don't know the particulars. But I know this. There were side effects of this decision that Zipporah resented her husband because he neglected to take care of things. Let me stop here for a minute. Let me, we went to a message on, of several Wednesday nights ago. And we talked about anger. Anger leads to what? Resentment. Resentment leads to what? Bitterness. Bitterness then leads to what? Hatred. I'm going to go through that again because some of you really need to get this this morning. Some of us are angry because of things in our house or in our life that isn't right. And maybe as a father, as a man, you have not been the leader you should have been. And people in your family, maybe the kids, maybe the wife, 
has anger toward you. And then it's grown from anger to resentment. That they don't want to really want to be around you. They resent what you stand for. And then he gets into bitterness, which they actually despise you. Don't care if you live or die. Don't care if you ever come back. And then they get to the place that literally hate you. And they wish you were already dead. You see the progression of things? This woman was aggravated with her husband. Why? Because he had neglected his responsibility to take care of an issue that was his. How can we expect a Bobby Blair term? I've always believed, and when he said this, he said, I've always believed that the blessings and the anointing of God always flows from the top down. In the household, the man is to be the leader. The man is supposed to be the one who sets the standard. He may not walk in perfection, but there is a standard and a leadership that we as men should have in our house. If you're looking for a husband, you need to look for a man that has the ability to lead as a man. Right, Donnie? No woman wants a wimpy husband. No woman wants a man that she can't respect. No woman wants a man who doesn't know how to stand for something. And so the flow goes, goes as the father goes, so goes the families. I can say this to you this morning. How many of you have been raised in a house without a dad? And the anointing was struggle. It didn't flow the way it should. Things weren't really the way they should have been. Why? Because the headship wasn't where it needed to be. How does the flow flow? It flows from the top down. And when the man is the man he's supposed to be, and we become, and let me just say this, it doesn't mean it's over if you haven't been. And maybe you have shirked your responsibility. And maybe you haven't been the man you should be in your house. But I'll tell you this, it's got to start at some point. And whenever your husband or your dad begins to step up spiritually, and you begin to watch them grow, you need to respect that. Because a lot of men will never humble themselves and embrace their failures and understand, I need to be the leader. I need the flow to start with me. Is this making any sense? It has to come from the top. How can God honor us if we as men don't let the Spirit of the Lord flow through us? I don't want to be a curse to my family. I want to be a blessing. And there's not going to be blessings that flow if we hinder what God has for us. I'm going to give you one more thought and I'm going to close. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. You mean to think this, well, this is just Old Testament. It doesn't really matter. Oh, it matters. Whether you agree, disagree, like it or don't like it, it still matters. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I'd like you to go to Numbers chapter 3. My wife and I were talking this past week about the last words I ever heard my father say when he embraced me and he kissed me when he left me. The last time I seen him at 25 years of age, he said something to me. How many of you remember? I've said it 500 times here. What did he say? Give him souls, Lord. Give him souls. I had no idea what that meant at 25. Maybe partially, but I didn't really get a good, a good grip, a grasp of it. It wasn't until this past week I was thinking about and excited about all the people that have come to Christ here. And dude, it is not because of this guy, and I can tell you that. But I've allowed, been allowed to be a part of it. And to sit back and look when you're a part of something, it's amazing how rewarding it is, and it's so exciting. But what does a man gain? What does a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul. What does he gain 
if he gains everybody else, but he never has his two sons and his daughter a part of his life. What has he gained? I may be excited for you, and dude, I am excited for anything, the transformation that Jesus has done in your life. Dude, it makes me ecstatic. But it never touches what I see him do in Layton. It never touches. It can't compare to what I see him do in Atlanta. And it can't compare to what I see him doing in Tyson's life. It can't. This past week, we were at the house, and, and we had had a, a TV show. It was a movie we'd watched, and, and nobody was there but Wanda and I and Soapy, or Sophia. But we call her Soapy. And she's in the floor, and it's, it was Woodlawn, if you've ever seen it. And, and we were watching it, and then it had Christian music playing, and, and Soapy's got her little braces on her feet from her legs, you know. And she's laying there on the floor. And all of a sudden, worship music was on, and all of a sudden we see Soapy in the, in the floor doing this. Now, I know that's learned. I, I know she's seen it here. But she's on her knees, swaying with her hands up. There is something so rewarding about watching spiritual growth within your kids. But how dare us fathers expect to see it happen in our own family when we won't even embrace it ourselves? In the book of Numbers in chapter 3, I'm going to read something to you because it's a sad passage. Numbers chapter 3, it says, These are the generations of Aaron and Moses. And the day that the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron. Nadab, firstborn. Abihu, Eli, Azor, Azar, and Ithmar. And these are the names of the sons of Aaron. The priests which were anointed whom he consecrated to minister in the priest's office. You know what's not mentioned there? It's two other boys' names. Eliezer, Eliezer, and Gershom. Those are the two sons of Moses. Now you help me understand, why was Aaron's sons in the ministry, in the priesthood, in the leadership, but Moses' weren't? And I began to think, what about us as dads? Yeah, this isn't Father's Day, but it fits. What is it about us? As, let me just take it off the men. What is it about us as men? That we have lived and we have spoken and we've tried to direct things in a way that it's our kids that's going to go into priesthood. I don't mean pastoring or ministry necessarily, but believers and followers. Sad to say, but... Many, of the, many times in our lives, we, and you've heard me say this a hundred times here, we go to church to make ourselves feel better, but we don't go to church to grow closer. And we as men, if you want to be the, the trendsetter, you want to be the anointing, the flow, uh, the flow guy of the family, it's going to come through you. It's going to come through your leadership. It's going to come through your headship of the home. I don't want my kids to be the ones that's lost. I want them to be mentioned. You need to want your kids to be mentioned. You need to step in the gap, men, and be the godly man you're supposed to. Because if all they've ever seen is poor leadership from you, then that's the only thing they can base their own leadership. So we as men, we're going to lead. Does that make any sense? I feel like everything just died in here. I don't think that God has called any of us to be wimps. I think he's really spoke to us 
to lead. Ladies, get behind your husband. Encourage him. Don't nag him. Don't put him down. Don't show him every one of his failures. He knows. He knows himself. He knows he's got them. He knows. He don't need you to remind him all the time. Same way men with your wives. Same way men with our kids. We don't have to point out all their failures, all their shortcomings. This service is for the men this morning. Maybe you don't have a husband. Maybe you're a single parent as a woman. Well, it falls on your shoulders just like it did Zipporah because there wasn't a man to stand in the gap. It's really early. It's 10 till. We're going to pray. But what we're going to pray this morning is I'm going to ask you as the leader of your house, if you feel led to do this, I'm not forcing anyone. But if you know you haven't been the man you're supposed to be in your house, you're not the leader you're supposed to be in. Supposed to be. And you know the flow that should be flowing through your family isn't there. And you know you've got to be the one that steps up. I'm going to ask you to come up and pray. Not to the altars. I want you to come and stand. We're going to pray as a congregation. Because I want to see our families grow. I want to see them mature. I want to see great things in their lives. So I'm going to ask you, everybody to stand, if you will, and bow your heads. We do that out of, I guess, respect or uncomfortable. I don't really know the real term. But I'm going to say this. If you're a man here this morning and you know you have not been what you're supposed to be, I'm going to ask you to step out and come forward. Nothing wrong about being honest. Nothing wrong about standing in the gap saying, Father, I want your blessings to flow. I want to flow through me. I want to flow through my offspring. I want to flow through my sons and my daughters to their kids. I want it to be a, a difference maker.